Welcome to another episode of Tyrius Cast. This is Paul Teich, Principal Analyst with Tyrius Research, and I'm talking with David Teich, a Senior Analyst with Tyrius Research. We're going to talk about David's white paper, Machine Learning Overview. Um, it's a $400 download that includes a free half-hour consulting session with David. But first, we're going to talk about recent Tyrius Research news and upcoming events. Senior analyst Simon Salatko has also launched a white paper. This one's free. It's called Instantaneous Cloud, Emerging Consumer Application of 5G Wireless Networks. We've also published a series of three total cost of ownership white papers uh, around Qualcomm's Centric 2400 processor. Um, in, in those white papers, we look at the TCO for HHVM, Redis, and Spec CPU 2017. Those are free downloads on Qualcomm's website. Last week, I published an article on Forbes about IBM's big bet on cloud AI, and the question being, will it pay off? I think the answer is yes, but you can find a lot more detail behind that single, uh, single word answer on Forbes. In addition, Jim McGregor, Principal Analyst at Tyrius Research, had another Forbes article last week about the Qualcomm Broadcom issue of the potential merger. Uh, Jim has been our major analyst focused on what is going on between Broadcom and Qualcomm as to whether or not the merger makes sense and how it is progressing. I think the most interesting thing in the last uh, couple of days on the uh, Qualcomm Broadcom, uh, I guess, uh, Bruja. Uh, the, the attempted hostile takeover, is that um, CFIUS, the Committee for Foreign Intelligence, uh, for Foreign Investment, Committee for Foreign Investment in the U.S., um, has stepped in. John Cornyn, who was going to update uh, the CFIUS, modernize CFIUS policy, has written a letter to uh, Munchen asking that CFIUS take a look at this deal before um, any of any of the investors and, and money starts trading hands um, before all that action starts. That's very unusual, and it's certain to have an effect in the next couple of weeks. In other media news, Paul was quoted in Linux Insider about Microsoft uh, giving devs more space in open source and about quantum computing goodies in, in Microsoft's plans. Over at EE Times, both... Kevin Crewell, the third principal analyst, and Jim McGregor were quoted on the mobile AI race as it unfolded at the Mobile World Congress. And finally, of interesting news that's not quite media, we're excited by the fact that in June at the Machine Learning and AI DevCon, Kevin Crewell is going to be the chair of that exhibition. Well, it's a conference, but yes. Okay. Um, and so um, speaking of conferences, um, March is crowded with events that are AI-themed. Uh, Simon and I are going to be attending South by Southwest. Uh, it's here in Austin. Uh, the punchline is that if you don't already have a place to uh, crash, uh, there are no hotels or Airbnbs left. And if there were, there aren't any flights left into Austin. So uh, if you want to be cool and hip, you'll have to do that next year. Um, IBM Think 2018 will be the week after South by. Um, and it's going to be co-located with the Open Power Summit. Jim and I will be attending uh, those events. Following that, the Open Compute Project is, well, actually during 
IBM think, uh, the Open Compute Project will be having its summit in San Jose. I'll be there for the second day while Kevin covers the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. The week following Think and Open Compute and GDC is NVIDIA's uh, GPU Technology Conference, GTC, happening in, in sunny San Jose, California. David, Jim, Kevin, and I will be there. Um, I'll also put in a plug that uh, during South by Week, I'll be at a quantum computing event at LSU campus, QCMC, uh, taking a look at how the researchers uh, believe that quantum computing will evolve over the next few months. Uh, I'll, I'll be writing more about quantum computing in the future, and you can catch all of that in a Forbes article uh, posted Monday this week. So with that, uh, let's talk about David's new white paper, The Machine Learning Overview. First, you'll notice David and I share a last name. We've done that for a long time. Um, David is my brother. My entire life. <laughs> and so I'm slightly older. Um, but it's important to note that while I took a, a hardware bent, a software, a deep software, uh, embedded software, you know, operating systems, frameworks, and, and hardware approach to life, uh, David's taken a more applications-oriented view on things. And, um, and in fact, uh, David... David got his um, a master's degree from Stanford in AI during one of the AI winters, which um, which I found fascinating. Um, so anyhow, uh, David, why should infra infrastructure managers care about the full machine learning stack, and, and why don't you call that stack a framework? Where, where, where does that dissonance come from? Oh. That comes from, I, I think, where you and I both have been talking about over the last year and one of the reasons that, that got us to begin working together. As, as you mentioned, I have uh, many decades of enterprise software experience, and it was a bit of a... I, a bit of an AI winner. It wasn't quite doing what was happening back in the 80s when I studied expert systems. Um, so I spent a lot of time in business intelligence, and as AI began to grow again in this last decade, it started having an impact and overlapping business intelligence and doing a number of other things. And where I was seeing at the bottom of where I talked about in, this, in the AI stack, I was seeing frameworks. And Paul was talking about at the other end, folks, uh, at the top end of what he was looking at was frameworks. It was kind of where infrastructure and applications met. And so since both industries were talking about frameworks, as in TensorFlow and CAFE and the rest, when we started talking about a machine learning, some phrase to use, a framework seemed to be overworked. So I'm talking about the AI and machine learning stack to describe everything from the end users down through applications and algorithms and the frameworks used to implement those. And then below that, what infrastructure do we need in, in hardware and in firmware and in, in, in operating system coding in order to support this AI at the consumer level, at the business level. Sounds great. And so you keep saying enterprise and machine learning and, and business intelligence. Um, you know, where, where is the opportunity at a high level um, in enterprise for this whole machine learning, deep learning, artificial intelligence stuff? Well, see, that's the thing. That, again, I come from business software, and it was kind of bothering me that all of the media, almost all of the media content was talking about autonomous vehicles, speech recognition, and image recognition, as if that was machine learning. 
when I look at what's going on in robotics, when I look at how speech recognition is being used to help customer support systems and even sales systems and telemarketing systems, um, there's a whole lot of business opportunity for machine learning that helps B2B, business to business software application folks. I think there, there are many billions of dollars as, as Microsoft and SAP and Oracle and many other vendors, including of course, the big ones people have heard about Amazon and Google and Facebook, all see that there's not just a way to get to consumers, but there's a way to help business improve. All right, and so you know, as, we're, as we're thinking about business, continuous improvement, um, I guess is, is the way I would look at it. But um, as businesses try and wrap in um, ML and, and deep learning and, and, and uh, artificial intelligence, I think one of the things a lot of listeners would like some grounding in is how do systems learn? I mean, what's different now? I mean, we used to explicitly code stuff. Um, how are they learning on their own? Well, that that is part of the fun. That's, that's where I think a lot of people, both in infrastructure and application level, are a bit confused, and that's what this overview, this overview paper is trying to talk about: is what are the machines, and then what is learning. And on the learning side, it's real simple. At, at the high level, there are two main classifications of learning: supervised and unsupervised. A nice tautology there. Uh, simply put, supervised is we know where we're going to go. Unsupervised is we have no idea what the results are. Two easy ways to understand that is the difference between classification and, and categorization. So for instance, in classification, a lot of it's used in, in medical industry. You're trying to identify a tumor. You know what a tumor looks like. So we can have machines start trying to identify what's going on and we know this thing looks like a tumor, so it thinks it identifies it, we give them feedback, we're supervising how it's identifying them and helping them narrow it down. But sometimes, as I, especially also as I mentioned, I'm not only artificial intelligence, I'm business intelligence. You want to do data discovery. You want to understand you've got a whole huge pile of data. And so you want to classify. You don't know what you're classifying. So for instance, a real simplistic thing is you've got a big bowl of marbles. And you want to see what the system can figure out about the marbles. And you've taught it some parameters. And so, for instance, maybe you have, let's be weird and say there are square marbles and round marbles. And maybe there are blue ones and green ones and yellow ones. So you don't tell it what you're trying to learn. And so it's going to start doing things like just looking around and noticing that it finds 10 green marbles and it finds 15 blue ones. And it happens to find out that X percentage of the green ones are squares and Y percentage of the blue ones are round. And that kind of you can relate that to some of what's being done in understanding customer support, social media, both within companies and in the consumer sector as what are some relationships between different parameters, colors and shapes that we didn't think about, we might not have known, we might not have seen, but having the machine suddenly say, hey, look at this, will teach us something about the market that we didn't know. So at the level is trying to understand when we want to use supervised and when we want to use unsupervised learning for different types of machine learning applications. So got a question. Um, I also hear the, the uh, words uh, training and inference. Mm -hmm. And, and so um, in, in an enterprise, you know, kind of business intelligence context, 
Yeah. Why would one make a difference? What, what differentiates them and, and why would I be concerned? <laughs> there are lots of reasons to be concerned. Uh, right now, a lot of the research that's coming out that, that both you and I have seen is all focused on training because training is very, very, very data intensive. And so, so you've got, as you know, on the hardware side that you have to be able to manage lots and lots of transactions at once. Be honest, the business customer doesn't really care about that. They just want it to get done. They send it over the wall to IT and say, give us something. And so IT has to mess with what to do. Where things come in is the actual, and I have a problem, by the way, with training and inference because tra inf training is inference. You're doing inferencing while you're learning the systems. I think of it more as, as, as inference while training and inference in production. So inference... In, in a general term in production is when a consumer is out on their phone and it's trying to do speech recognition or when a robot in a factory is trying to analyze what's coming down the production line through visual or through other identifiers and other parameters that are coming in. You're not dealing with huge amounts of data at once. You're dealing with lots of individual things happening, discrete things happening, and suddenly real-time response matters. And on that, I should say real-time matters depending on the application. If you're flying an airplane, real-time is a lot faster response than if somebody's sitting at a desk looking at a graphic for their sales information um, at a retail site. So, But we need to understand that there's a difference between what businesses need from training that can happen out of sight and runtime inference when something is happening when somebody's staring at it. All right. So, um, so how would you characterize the you know, one sentence? Um, what's the takeaway for what people will get from your white paper? I think the white paper exists to provide managers, not only of infrastructure, but of applications companies, kind of an overview of the full machine learning stack and, and how the underlying technology provides the foundation for machine learning adoption um, at all levels from the end users all the way down through what we need at the hardware levels. And does that apply to cloud? I mean, as we think about enterprise, right? I, I don't think anybody can avoid cloud. I mean, cloud and on-premises are two halves of a coin as things migrate into the cloud heavily. You see all the big applications people heavily moving into the cloud, and that's not just machine learning. Cloud exists. Cloud is there. I don't think there's an application that exists that you can't you, that you shouldn't be considering cloud. All right. And that's public, private, and then yeah. kind of the hybrid model as well. Right. Yeah, we don't know. Yes. Okay. Basically, yes. Basically, multiple servers working together to, to, to process high levels of data and inference and everything else, as opposed to the old world of everything sits on a server. Got it. All right. Um, I'm going to recommend that listeners buy David's machine learning overview to understand the full machine learning stack and how the underlying technology provides a foundation for machine learning adoption in both business and consumer markets. Thank you for joining this episode of Tyrius Cast. On Twitter, I'm Paul R. Teich. David is Teich underscore com with two M's. Check Tyrius Research out online at TyriusResearch.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media channels. Thanks for listening.